Today we're talking about core, what it is, why it's there, how to train it, my five favorite exercises, my five least favorite exercises, and how to know if you're breathing well. All right, listen in. Hello and welcome to the Average to Athletic Podcast. My name is Graham and I am your host once again. And today we're going to continue breaking down the things that make athletic people athletic. Fast, strong, big, mobile, whatever you want. We're going to break those things down and continue to teach you how to put that into your own programming and training to give you the life and the body that you could have. So today we're going to talk about core training. And there's a lot of misinformation everywhere from people using the... Uh, one minute max sit up as a great test to see how strong your core is to the five minute belly fat blaster that you see on Amazon or YouTube or whatever it is that is going to give you that six pack abs. So we're going to talk about what the core is, why it's there, how to train it, and then why breathing is essential for core training. And then we'll finish up with my five favorite and my five least favorite movements for core that I never want you to do again. So let's go ahead and jump in. The core is a span of your body from your mid-thigh, so basically the middle of your femur, to your diaphragm. And the diaphragm is a muscle at the bottom of your rib cage that pulls your lungs down and up. And the purpose of the core is to protect the spine. And by that I mean prevent your spine from breaking and getting nerve damage in your spinal cord, which would keep you paralyzed and then you would die. That's the goal of the core, is to keep you alive. And so part of the beauty of the spine is that you've got these segments, these vertebrae, vertebra that can allow you to rotate and move and bend and move well as opposed to having one long one long bone that would be the spine. So like if you could think about if they replaced your all your vertebrae with one, one metal rod, you wouldn't be very mobile and you wouldn't have a lot of uh, fun. You couldn't roll around on the ground or do anything and you would be very stiff. So the point is taking these the sacrifice the body makes for having that stability of one long bone and one long joint there is you have something that can now move but because the spine can move and rotate and extend and flex it now becomes more liable to get hurt and injured so that's where we have all these muscles these really thick muscles around it to keep it safe and so your core muscles include your hip flexors your glutes your pelvic floor musculature and all those rotators in and around the, the femurs, your rectus abdominis, the six-pack muscles, your obliques on the side, your transverse abdominis, your deep inner core muscles, uh, your erectors in your back, all the way from your lower back to your upper back, those posture muscles, and up to your diaphragm. All right? It's not an exhaustive list, but the idea, though, is it's much more than just your six-pack abs, okay? which means that you have to do a little bit broader type of training to get everything and maintain a functional core. So the spine, the way you should really think about core training is anti-movement. And that doesn't mean you don't move, but it means you train in a way that you can control unwanted movement. For example, flexion of the spine is when you round over. And if you go to pick something up and you're going to try to pick up a heavy deadlift or pick up a couch and all of a sudden your back rounds, that's the mechanism for injury. It's not that your back, it's not the rounded back, it's that you moved your spine under load. And so you went from a straight neutral position to a rounded back during a load. And so there's extension and flexion, and that's basically rounding and arching your back. There's rotation, so that's turning left and right, which we've, we don't do a ton of in terms of our normal daily life, but it is very helpful to have because that's what keeps our spine moving forward. And that's actually based off of all running when you step 
your core has to be strong enough to rotate, not rotate one way or the other. And then we have anti-lateral flexion and extension, meaning that if you stand straight up and you take your left shoulder to your left hip and you kind of like, I'm a little teapot dance, that's what you're looking at. So anti-flexion, extension, anti-rotation, and then anti-lateral flexion and extension. That is the general landscape of the movements we want to think in. So to break that down, there's two types of movements you see with the core. It's static and dynamic when you're looking at and that's obviously very broad and I know you're like, well, duh. But stat, these are talking about core exercises. You first want to start off with static holds. And that's just basically saying that you can hold an isometric position, breathe in and out, and maintain control there. And so that's everything from planks to hollow holds to side planks to any type of paused position. And that doesn't mean that you it has to be in one of those like X or Y axes of like plank, side plank, hollow. You can be in a rotated position and hold that there. But the point is that you're holding different positions and creating confidence there. The other side of this is dynamic, and that's anything under movement. And so that's a lot of sports. So if you think of a baseball swing, a golf swing, a volleyball serve, um, any type of rotation, those are dynamic movements with the core. And those are all based around inhaling and exhaling. So you breathe as you do something. So that brings us to the point of the most important thing you can do to train your core is to learn how to breathe well first. And by that, I mean brace your core. So bracing your core is more than just using your legs when you pick up a couch and you know how you get your hips down. Bracing your core is breathing in with the correct musculature, holding on to that breath, and then basically using that to as an air pocket to stabilize the spine. You can visualize this by thinking if I ship you a box with a very delicate vase or vase in it, and I put one of those um not uh not like the peanuts the styrofoam peanuts that are killing the world the uh, like a plastic bag which is also killing the world but a plastic bag filled up with air it kind of occupies that space and keeps thing keeps that vase or vase fixed and that's what we want to think about by breathing in air and holding on to that kind of bearing down and locking down we are able to protect the spine by packing it in there okay the problem with this is if you don't if you've forgotten or don't know how to breathe. And so there's a difference between diaphragmic breathing, which is the correct method of breathing versus apical breathing, which is all secondary. And so what I want you to do is take a big inhale right now. And if you breathe it in through your mouth, you did it wrong right off the bat. Your mouth is for talking and for eating, not for breathing in and out through your nose all the time. Breathing in through your mouth is a secondary measure that allows you to get more air when you need it, but it is not effective, it's not the proper way, and it doesn't really direct air well into the diaphragm, which again is that muscle that pulls the lungs down and up. So try it again, breathe in through your nose, and I want you to think about, if you can, if you're not driving, take your hands on your rib cage, and I want you to breathe in through your nose, and I want your rib cage to expand outward. So if you find that your shoulders are rising up when you take a big inhale, and your shoulders are coming up to your ears, Generally, that's going to be a symptom of apical breathing, which is that secondary breathing, your upper chest, your traps, your levator scapula, all of those muscles in and around your neck. And a lot of neck tension and tightness in the face, neck, and upper back area comes from actually breathing with the wrong muscles. Those muscles are secondary when you're exhausted and you're gasping for air. They pull your ribcage up and expand some more space for the, for the lungs. This is the equivalent of having a... A can't like you if you get a U-Haul and they have a little mom's attic thing in the front, or you have a minivan or a van and you put a um, a little baggage rack on top and you fill that up. That's the equivalent of filling everything in there 
and not putting anything in the actual van. So you're using the secondary space, but you're not actually using the primary carrying space that you're trying to transport with. So what I want you to think about is as you inhale, if you can, for a physical cue, put your hands around your rib cage, inhale and feel those ribs expand outward. And what that's going to be is your, your inner and external intercostals in and around your ribs are going to expand out. Your diaphragm will pull down. You may feel your stomach push out a little bit. And you are using all of those most effective, what they're designed for, core muscles to breathe and expand space in and around the ribs. And you'll breathe in. Now, if you exhale and you, so you've inhaled, you exhale, breathe, don't hold on to it. I don't want you to pass out. But next step is you're going to take another inhale and you're going to press your fingers into your stomach. And as you exhale, try and push your stomach out again. I know it sounds a little bit counterintuitive that you inhale and as you exhale, which you would squeeze out, you would try to push your core out. But you should be able to generate some force to push your core and your stomach out into your finger as you exhale. And what this is going to do is it's going to force your core musculature to engage, to really lock down and push air out. Same thing when you sneeze or if you cough, if you've ever been like sick and you just have a coughing, 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 your core may get really sore because you're, you're really forcing air out, right? Trying to move things out of your body. That's the same idea. And what I want you to think about is a toothpaste tube. Toothpaste only comes out of the toothpaste tube when there's pressure applied to it. You squeeze it, it comes out. If you don't squeeze it, nothing comes out because you need pressure in and out. And that's the way the breathing works. And so your air, your lungs are basically sacks of air. And there's nothing magic other than the dynamics of pressure. And as you inhale, you're using the muscles in and around your ribs and your diaphragm to pull the lungs open. You're expanding space like you're opening up a bag. And what this does is it creates a negative pressure environment inside your lungs that pulls air in. It's not like you're actually pulling air in, it's just that there's a vacuum basically where air is space is now there and so relative to the external space, air is going to be pulled in because it's always going to flow to the area of less pressure. When you exhale, you're going to do the opposite of that where you're going to squeeze and push air out, just like the tube of toothpaste. So it's inhale, you pull things open, air comes into the vacuum, you exhale, the pressure gets harder and harder and you push air out. It's the same as why if you go to space where the uh, there's no oxygen, but the idea is at higher altitudes, there is a less condensed volume of air. So when you inhale in, you're not getting as much in. So you have to breathe more. And that's why in addition to the red blood cell changes, you're going to improve the dynamics of what you're breathing, which if you ever see anybody wearing one of those uh, altitude training masks and those were popular, I don't know if they still are, but that they don't actually they were originally designed to say oh you're going to get better red blood cell improvements you can do all this stuff it doesn't work like that you have to actually go to where there's a partial pressure that's basically suffocating you and you're getting a smaller portion of the same amount of oxygen but what it does do is it actually forces you to really engage with those breathing muscles in and out so there is a benefit to it not the original one, but there is some benefit. But the point, though, is that you are really pulling in and out. And so the muscles you are using to create that pressure in and out environment are your core muscles. The act of exhaling and breathing is entirely core driven. When you exhale firmly, your core engages. And the reason all of that is important is because if you're going to do any core training, you have to understand that it needs to be done with breathing. If you've ever done yoga, they talk about inhale and exhale. I think it's like ujjayi breaths. 
I'm not a yogi, but I've done it before. The point though is that you're breathing with the movement, inhale, exhale, and that exhale really braces those core musculature, really braces that core musculature and forces the air in and out. So taking a second and focusing on the breath and really bracing that as you do a dynamic movement, let's say you're throwing a med ball or throwing a ball, if you exhale when you do it, you're gonna have a lot more power. However, when you're doing a static movement, and this falls under the category of all, almost all lifting, so squats, bench, deadlift, lunges, bracing down that course, you would inhale and brace down and kind of lock that air in, that creates a, a space for your spine to stay stable and safe and strong, okay? So the proper pattern for really heavy lifting is going to be inhale, really all lifting, but you inhale and then you hold that down. So that's where you take your fingers, press it into your stomach and you inhale and you kind of brace down and push that stomach out. You're not necessarily going to exhale here, but you're going to hold on to that. That's going to keep your spine stable while you go through a lowering movement or any type of hold. And then when you go through the the dynamic portion where you release, you stand up in a squat, you push away, you pick something up in a deadlift or you throw something that's when you exhale and your core braces down further to really get rid of that ball of air that otherwise is keeping your core in that stable position and allows you to move and release force, okay? Hopefully that all makes sense. I've got some videos of this, if, and I'll put them in the show notes. But this is like the most basic and important thing you can learn about any type of back pain, mobility, core training. You gotta learn this, and it's really hard to verbally describe, but I think I'm doing a great job. Let me know if I'm not. So all that being said is the static and dynamic core movements, and they are all based around the breath. And if you brace your core and learn how to exhale appropriately, you're going to do that. So let's break that down and we'll finish up with my five favorite core movements, which is probably the take home here and the five least favorite core movements. So Again, remember we're going to talk about that anti-flexion extension, rotation, lateral flexion extension. We're going to break that down into movements. And so the first is called a hollow hold. If you've done yoga, this is very similar to the boat pose. And if you basically you're going to lay on your back and balance on your butt, you lift all your legs off the or both your legs off the ground, unless you have more. Your legs off the ground and your back off the ground, so you're only on your butt. And basically you're it's not as much of a V as you would in the boat pose, but basically your feet are at a six inch hold and your shoulders are six inches off the ground. And the only thing that's touching is your butt. Hands off the ground as well. And this really forces you in kind of a, a little bit of a curve, like an upside down curve. If you've done a Superman back extension, which we'll talk about in a minute, it's the opposite of that, okay? So that's gonna be a static movement in that anti-flexion extension plane because you're just holding that there. Primarily, that's going to be anti-extension, but you are holding a slightly flexed position, but that's a great place to start. The next is going to be a side plank, right? And you can start with a basic side plank. I love doing the top leg elevated. You can also do an adductor version. It just makes it a little bit harder, but this is that frontal. The same idea as the hollow hold with a static hold. You're getting that really solid static engagement to brace your spine, but it's in the frontal plane. So this is going to be that anti-lateral flexion, lateral extension move where you're preventing that hips from going the I'm a little teapot, right? Next, we have ice pickers, and these fall in the category of anti-rotation. So you would hold a plank, and you'd alternate, taking your left arm, reach out and tap to the left, and then you bring it back in, and you reset, take your right arm to the right. The point of this is anything that does this, so like whether you're in a quadruped position or push-up position, if you do a push-up and you lift one hand off the ground, 
now you're introducing an anti-rotational component because the body wants to if you are in a push-up position you take your right hand off your right shoulder wants to drop down to keep your core engaged you have to use that to prevent that rotation of the spine okay anything that does that whether it's single leg doing a single like lifting one leg off the ground in a plank doing an ice picker anything like that is great next if you have a physio ball which is those big blow up yoga balls this is a fantastic way to really practice bracing the core is doing a ab rollouts so you put your forearms under your chest on top of the ball and hold a plank sounds simple right but the physio ball wobbles and rolls and so you really have to brace the core you roll the ball about five to six inches out and then back in, just moving the arms, nothing else. And this really focuses on bracing the core because the second you get too far out, you're going to feel that lower back drop into extension and you're going to have some pain. And this is going to be a great starting point before you get to any type of ab wheel or, or barbell ab rollouts because those are a lot more intense and it's more horizontal and those are very easy to get sloppy with and put your back into some pain. So if you struggle with doing those and not having back pain, take a step back to these uh, physio ball ab rollouts. They're very difficult, but also they're not difficult, but they get a, they're great return for what you're doing, but they also really help you engage and understand that bracing. And the last one is a straight leg pike lift. You sit on the ground, both legs in front of you, sit up tall. And then you're going to take your hands and press them into the ground outside of your knees. And so you're kind of leaning forward. You're going to lift both legs up at the same time. And you're going to try and keep your toes up as high as you can. Lift them up and down 10 times. And these are called straight leg pike lifts. It's a gymnastics move, but it is so tough. It's called compression training for your core. Basically, you're really using your hip flexors to lift. And this is a fantastic thing if you have any type of knee tightness or quad tightness because you don't have strong hip flexors. That's a conversation for another day. But the point is my favorite five, and you'll notice they hit a different movement each time. Hollow holds, side planks, ice pickers, or any type of anti-rotational movement. Pot stirs, sorry, physio ball ab rollouts. Pot stirs are the same thing with circles left and right. So physio ball ab rollouts and straight leg pike lifts. Okay, great. I'll put show notes in there for that too. The five worst movements that I absolutely hate and again, this is all with the context of there's no bad movement. They're just less effective movements that are easier to mess up and be done poorly and more likely to hurt you. So that being said, crunches, sit-ups, sit-ups, anything with a cable or a machine crunch, like anything that puts you or your body in a position that you're using, um, holding planks to failure and doing back extensions like uh, supermans and stuff. The reason why is with crunches and sit-ups, you're just cranking that spine into flexion over and over and over again. And there's no real thought the vast majority of the time to, am I actually controlling my spine? Am I moving with my hip flexors and moving well to protect the spine? And most people just put their hands right behind their head and just crank their head forward. And so you're doing more of a neck crunch than anything else. And that is not what you want to do. Next, so that's crunches and sit-ups. Both of those... You don't need to do them. There's other ways that are better and you're more likely to hurt yourself doing those. And they're not effective either. The cable machine crunches. So if you take like a cable machine and hold on to something and then like do a kneeling crunch or you do any type of machine where you, you sit on something and you hold it and you do crunches back and forth. Like I'm not saying it's horrible. I'm just saying there's not really a benefit to it. And there's so much more you can do with other movements. And again, this locks you into one plane. Most machines don't fit most bodies. It's not an ideal position to be in, and 
why load that flexion over and over again when you could practice developing control elsewhere? Because I guarantee you, if I don't care how much weight you're doing on that, you're probably going to struggle with those struggle with those straight leg pike lifts or hanging leg raises. Do those. Focus on those. You're going to get a much better return and it's going to be much safer. The next, any type of thing held to fatigue or held to failure is not going to be beneficial. The point of the core, whenever you fail on something, something broke down. It's like an inherent like, oh, I went to failure. Therefore, my form broke down. Something failed. Don't do movement stuff to failure. Yes, like the point of training is to improve the work capacity and prolong what you're doing until you get to failure. But when you're training and exercising, failure is literally learning something poorly. You're learning the like the way your brain works is you do one pattern with one load. It learns that, okay, I got this programmed. When you do a different pattern or the inputs change and you have enough hypoxic conditions and acid, acidic conditions from the muscle, it literally changes how you're moving. And when you're doing something to failure, at a certain point, you're going to learn the wrong thing. And when you're training your core, you don't want to learn the wrong movement. And you don't want to learn something that's not going to help you in the actual like performance in the real life. So don't hold planks to failure. If you can do a side plank for 30 seconds and a plank and a hollow hold for a minute, you're crushing it. You're great. Move on. Find something different. Take one leg off the ground in a plank, one arm off the ground, do some ice pickers, anything like that. You're going to get a lot you can make it more challenging, but anything past a minute, it's just no point in doing it. And even that is a stretch. I can't remember the last time I did a plank for a minute. It's just, or told someone to, it's just not beneficial. Last thing is going to be back extensions. And yes, I mean, either those 45 degree back extensions or the Supermans. Most people, because they sit all the time or they just tend to have, you know, they sit in school, wherever they're at, tend to already be extension sensitive in their back because we slouch, we have poor posture, the hamstring and the glutes are weak, hamstrings and low back are dominant when you're running. So why would you over ingrain that? Again, the point is not to go in and out of movement, it's the, to stabilize the spine. And there's not really a benefit to maximizing the arch in your back if something you're already sensitive to. So if you have any type of back pain or back tightness, stop doing the Superman arches, stop doing the Cobra pose, don't do things that really crank that back into extension and focus instead on breathing and bracing and controlling in an anti-extension. For example, a hollow hold. Like I said, you know, great. I, I've got my list, right? It's perfect. That's going to help you get you get out of that extended position. So that's the list of five movements I don't want to see you doing. Crunches, sit-ups, anything with a machine or cables, planks there, anything to failure, and then back extensions repetitive over time. I hope you got value and I hope you enjoyed this. If you have any questions, check out the show notes or reach out. I have lots of material and videos to describe this. Um, and if you're struggling with back pain when you're doing any of this stuff, reach out because I can walk you through that as well. All right. Have a fantastic day. I will talk to you next week. It's been a pleasure. And please go and review and like it five stars and just tell me how great everything is. It really means a lot to me and I love it and it means the world so much more than you know, and I appreciate you. Have a great day. Bye.